everybody. You're listening to the Tough Like a Girl podcast. I'm Nathaniel. And I'm Liz. And this is the show where we usually discuss graphic novels and trade collections with female protagonists, but we're stepping slightly outside of that today to talk about She-Ra on Netflix. For a couple of reasons. One being we both just really like it and kind of want to gush about it. Another being that the school year is starting up, and so Liz is kind of buried in, in things and... That, and that's also the reason we're not going to have listener feedback on this episode, because we are recording this before the previous month's episode has been put up. So we don't have feedback to cover yet yes. at the time of recording. Um, but that probably means we'll have to double it up on the next one. That's okay. So, in case anyone is unaware, She-Ra, which was originally a female-centric spinoff of the classic Masters of the Universe, a.k.a. He-Man TV show back in the 80s, mm-hmm. got revived on Netflix. It, got, it actually revived is the wrong word. It got rebooted. It got a complete reboot um, being redone from the ground up um, and being headed by... Someone we've covered. Noelle Stevenson. Of Nimona. Who wrote so Nimona. pretty much my favorite graphic novel, I think. Yep. And she also did um, some of the design and the story oh, right. outline work on Lumberjanes. Which we also have covered. Which we also covered and both plug, enjoyed. Plug, plug, plug. Yeah. <laughs> uh, plug our own past episodes. Woo! Go Ooh. listen to those. Um, so Seriously, listen to me gush about Nimona because I was so in love with it. It's, it's really good. So, uh, we'll start with the broad strokes. So... Broadly speaking, there actually is not a massive alteration to the setup and the story of the thing. We begin the whole show, which has now had three seasons. Mm -hmm. Um, It begins with Adora, who is basically a... She's a little bit more than a foot soldier, but she's just an agent of the Horde, Mm -hmm. which on uh, on this planet called Etheria is basically in the process of trying to take over everything. And she fights for the Horde until she comes across a sword. A sword that grants her the ability to turn into a mystical and legendary warrior known as Mm She-Ra. And as she realizes what the Horde is and that the rebellion and the princesses in that rebellion are not what she had been told they were, she Mm -hmm. switches sides. Mm -hmm. And... Pretty much all the characters are straight out of the original. I don't... Uh, there's, like, maybe one or two minor side characters who are unique creations. Mm-hmm. But by and large, pretty much everybody was a character on the original show. All of the characters have been redesigned visually. Yes. Although still, you know, retaining very much the whatever the gimmick of each character was. Because mm-hmm. these were incredibly gimmicky characters. With incredibly on-the-nose names. So, you know, we have She-Ra, but we, we have... There's a heroic character named Bo, who uses a bow. And there's a guy with a ship, who's named Seahawk. And there's a woman who has kind of water mermaid powers, and she's called Mermista. Mm-hmm. And They're on, super cheesy names. Yes, I love it. Super che- and for the bad guys, we have... Um, we have a woman who has a scorpion tail and claws and she's called Scorpia. And, uh, there's a character who is clearly part cat and she's Catra. Like that's the level we're dealing at. So I like that the show does not shy away from that cheesiness, mm-hmm. but the main sort of difference between this and, and the approach to the old show is that this is ultimately at its heart, 
a character drama. Because mm-hmm. more than a... And there is a plot. There is a plot going on, an overarching one, mm-hmm. uh, narrative. But ultimately, there's a lot of focus on the connections and the relationships and the development or the breaking of those relationships <laughs> yes. between these characters. And that is much more the heart of the show than any of the the action or the rebellion versus horde struggles, though that is always ongoing. Mm-hmm. So... I I also feel like it's important to mention that I feel like there's a lot more diversity in this show. Oh, there's a ton. Than there was the old one in terms of body shapes and sizes, in terms of diversity of ethnicity and skin color, which obviously it's a made up world, so they don't talk about like the ethnic backgrounds, but the it's no, but it, but but it just different. is. They're just yeah. there, um, and, and that include a that included a lot that were changed from in those details being changed from what they were in the original. And especially in terms of the body shape, I think I meant it's like I feel like they all had the same body shape in the old '80s show. Well, they actually just, did because the the they were based off the toy line designs, and the toy lines were literally the exact same body mold painted differently with different heads. So. And that's actually true of the He-Man characters as well. Every single um, male character has the exact same body shape. Every single female character has the exact same body shape because there was only one body mold for each gender. Mm. And so the character designs of of both cartoons, both He-Man and She-Ra, at the original 80s, reflected that. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, some people really got a bug up their butt about the redesigns. I'm just going to say that I don't take those criticisms particularly seriously, and I'm not going to, I don't plan to address them here. That's fair. Yeah, I, I have heard some criticism. I think even the more fair criticism I've heard, they're like, I don't particularly like the art style, but the, the art style, but the, um, the storylines are so much fun and the characters are so much fun. Um, yeah, I mean, like, if, if you, you want, if you want to say that the artistic, style of it is not to your taste that's fine like i'm not gonna call anybody out for that but anyone who's saying how dare they have a variety of body shapes as opposed to have all of them built like amazonians yeah really. like i no, i don't take that criticism seriously and there's like a lot of lgb well not a lot but there's there's lgbtq representation as well there is and and it is plain and overt there's there's some that is Hinted and implied in some relationships that may or may not have that dynamic. <laughs> There's some <at> shipping. <laughs> There's a lot you of shipping. Have, you uh, have some shipping. We'll get there. I don't. Uh, I don't normally ship people, so people understand that this is kind oh, of a no, big you deal. Don't for me. usually like romantic relationships. No, I don't. In your but shows. but even the, so, there is some implied stuff that can be read as being that or not. But there is other stuff that is very upfront. Um, like at the end of the first season we get the characters of natasa and spinnerella who are the names again the names, i'm sorry <laughs> um who are they're both women and they are a couple and then end of season two we meet <laughs> liz squeed it was great oh my god i both love that dads who are so adorable and so like such caring parents and just like, I want Bo's dads in my life, and they're just the cutest, and oh. Bo's dads are really, they're really super, sweet. They're like, geeky, too, and they're librarians. Like, how could I not love them? Yeah. 
So I, th- I kind of feel like we just need to start going through characters to a certain degree. Because like I said, it's much more character-focused than it is narrative-focused. Yeah, so it's, a plot line. It makes more sense to go through the characters than to go through, and what we like about them, than to go through the plot. And obviously there will be some spoilers as to we go some, along. To some degree. Um, but honestly, this is a very quick watch. It, it may be three seasons, but it's only like 26 episodes. They're 20-some-odd minutes apiece. So if you're worried about us spoiling stuff, Obviously, you can tell we love it. Go watch the first three episodes, and that'll help you decide that you either want to see the rest of it and do that and then come back, or you'll decide it's not for you and then come back anyway and you won't care that we're spoiling stuff. Yeah, and the second and third seasons are pretty short. Yeah, they're like six episodes apiece. Six episodes, yeah. So, I mean, let's start with the central two characters. Uh Um, And we're going to lump them together because their relationship is kind of... It's a big deal. So that's Adora, a.k.a. She-Ra, and Catra. Mm -hmm. Catra is the best worst ex (laughs) ever. Yep. It's not made explicit in the show that they were ever actually a couple, but there is a lot of... Their relationship dynamic is very much built as abusive, manipulative ex-partner dynamic. Regardless of whether or not they were ever explicitly a couple, that is the dynamic Which I being don't played. Really think it is. It's more that they. It's more played off that they are ex friends, but like we all like to read into it. <laughs> I mean, like the, I'm not even Especially trying to read into when, it, but I feel like that is really the dynamic at at play in a lot of ways. That uh-huh. yeah, that yeah, maybe they were only just friends, but like the way the, the way goes. Katra twists her. That is the way that someone who mm-hmm. manipulates in their relationships continues to try and control someone who isn't with them anymore. And the way she just says, hey, Adora. Oh, God. And, oh, okay, so in the first season, there's an episode called Princess Prom, which is one of my favorite episodes. And Catra Catra in a tux. Oh. You do have a little bit of a crush on Oh, like that. Uh, And even the way she says, hey, Adora, sometimes I'm like, ooh, you can purr that to me. But she she is incredibly cruel. Oh, she's awful. Like, she's... I mean, especially by the end of the third season, mm-hmm. everyone's like, you have gone too far. Like, And she even pushed herself to that point because she could have very much made a choice where she could have been happy and kind of had her own power and her own place and, like, legitimately been happy without really destroying things or hurting anyone of real importance to the show. Yeah. And she deliberately decided, nope, I need to seek, keep seeking vengeance on Adora. She, she is so angry that She's Adora so is happy and has things that she's glad to have without Catra there. She mm-hmm. is so... Mad, like down to her core, she is so angry that Adora has anything without her. She will choose the potential of her making Adora unhappy to her actual, like, attainable happiness, her yeah. own attainable yes. happiness. She would, she would rather destroy everything just because literally it, destroy everything. Yes, <laughs> yeah. By the end of the third season, she very, she very nearly does. She is at the point where she would rather see everything destroyed because it means Adora loses 
than accept that Adora is going to have her own thing and then go off and find her own kind of happiness. She would rather wreck everything just to ensure that, that mm-hmm. whatever Adora has, she loses. Yeah, she is a dark, powerful character, especially for a kid's show. Yeah, and it's what I really have liked, especially by the end of the third season, is Adora... Adora has never made excuses for her, but she's always kind of held on hope because she can remember back to a time when, at the very least to her memory of it, that things were good. Now, it's possible things were never good, and she just didn't know that it could be something else, Mm -hmm. but she holds on to that for a long time until the end of the third season. Like, towards the very end... She turns, she gives this look to Katra, and it is a look that says, I'm done holding back, and I am done even bothering to to even try and give you a chance anymore. I no more it, chances, you're done. I call it the, we are never, ever getting back together look. <laughs> that is exactly what the look is. It is It is a smasher of a look. And, Kat, yes. and, and the thing is... Thank what's, you, Taylor Swift, because that is the perfect phrase That is that exactly look. what it is. And the thing is, what I love about that is Katra gets it. Like, in that moment, you can she see from her... She just kind of, like, steps back. From like, her reaction, her facial expression, she's like... Oh. I went too far. <laughs> what it kind of reminds me of, there's a, there's a Superman story called um, What's So Funny About Truth, Justice, and the American Way. Mm-hmm. And like a, the big thrust of that is these superheroes who think Superman is too soft, and they push him, and a big part of why they push him is they presume he will never snap. Mm-hmm. But when they think he ha- He never does, because he's Superman. But when they think he has... When they think that he has let go of what was holding him back, mm-hmm. they are terrified. And I see that look in Katra and that it's like, oh, oh, geez. Um, so that's your core relationship that drives a lot of this. Can I talk a little more to Adora, though? Because we go mainly for it. talked yeah. about Katra's personality. That's fine. Go for it. I think um, Adora is actually a pretty good protagonist. In terms, because I often have protagonist issues on any kind of superhero type show or any pa- any show where the protagonist is kind of like a chosen one or has like some mm. kind of superpower that most of the other characters don't have. Um, I have some issues with Buffy on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. She's kind of self-righteous. Harry bit. Potter, I definitely have some issues with, especially fifth fifth book Harry Potter I don't actually have many issues with Adora sometimes she does get a little righteous but there are some scenes in the third season where she's like I don't want this I really don't want this like once she finds out a little more about her background um, I think she's capable of admitting to her own mistakes Um, I think we've seen that pretty several times she's also kind of cute sometimes which helps she has, she has like, softer moments, you know? She does. And, and she's, st- she's still a little bit awkward. Oh, yeah. She definitely is. Um, and I think the fact, the friendships really help her. Like, the relationships she's made with Bo and Glimmer really help. Um, and I think, I think that connection and that conflict with Catherine is helps her character, too, because she does want to forget, forgive her continually. 
Um, yeah, and and well, it's funny because you mentioned you know she has powers other people don't. She does, but like almost every character does in fact have some kind of superpower. Because Glyph- well, she just is like yeah, it's times it's 20. at a, it's at a different level. But I actually really like the variety of powers on display because you've got. Um, you've got Glimmer with her teleportation. You've got Mermista with the water stuff. You've got Perfuma who can control plants. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's actually a really nice variety. But since you mentioned them, I think that's another couple worth mentioning as a pair, Glimmer and Bo. Couple as in, like, the, two they, people. Yeah, they're characters who are almost always paired together. Yeah, not actually dating or anything like that. Um, yeah, Bo and Glimmer. I like them both. Um, I think both slowly... At first, I really like Glimmer as one of my favorites, and I still really like her, but Bo has just really grown on me. He's just so sweet. I really... He's, he's the most reserved of the group. He's the one who's always going like, we could be doing this more safely! I know. Oh, and when, when they're playing their role-playing game <laughs> in, in... Is it season two or three? It's that season two. Where they're doing that, and he's like, but Minnie Bo! And, like, Minnie Bo dies in all of their scenarios. Like, if he do, if they do one thing, Bo dies. <laughs> if they do another thing, it results in Minnie Bo dying. No Tiny Bo! No Tiny Bo! Yeah. Uh. He's just adorable and sweet. Um, he's an interesting character because he's thrown... He doesn't technically have like superpowers like the others do but he's got skills he does he's, he's, he's got his he's archery got the bow and he's also pretty good with tech yeah he's really good with tech building things building his own like high-tech arrows that do certain things and figuring stuff out um especially they kind of need a tech person after what happens with another character who we'll get to who we'll get to um glimmer glimmer is a little bit um, Machiavellian at times. Like she, she does not. She does not hold black like Adora does. Sometimes she very much sees the world in blunt strokes. I mean, like th- this has become an exercise I just kind of do at this point. I've actually done it on the Council of Geeks YouTube channel formally yes. a few times, but like sorting characters into Hogwarts houses. Mm-hmm. I think Glimmer is a Slytherin. I think Glimmer is a Slytherin, too. And she's, she's very... Because fo- at the end of... The, she cares about her friends, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, her main goal is defeating the Horde. And she has no qualms about breaking rules to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, can, 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 I, can I talk about my, my favorite? Yes. Okay. Yes, of course you can. So we will get to some of the... Other characters that show up either, like, once or twice. We should probably do Hordak and Shadow Weaver eventually. But I can tell one of the other reasons we are doing this, I'm pretty sure, is so you can talk about your current obsession and crush, and I hear about this character probably at least once a day. Go for it. Scorpia. I love (laughs) Scorpia so so much. <laughs> she, I'll she, let you have that. Scorpia gives me life. She is amazing. So she is. <laughs> she is technically a antagonistic character. She's with the horde. Uh-huh. She has a massive crush on Catra. Oh, it's like it's, it's so now. Here's the thing. I don't. I'm not sure I actually ship them. 
What I, I want... I think you did for a while I until did. the third season I, hit, I and might you're like, have, oh, dang. I might have for a little bit. At this point, what I want is I want Scorpio to be happy. If that can be done with Catra, I'm fine. I'm not sure it can, but <laughs> I want right her to now. be happy. Because Scorpio, like, one of the first things she says when being introduced into the show is, I gotta warn you, I'm a hugger. She is so sweet and so well-meaning, and she, admittedly, she's kind of dumb. She's a little, little she, no, she's bit. she she's a bit dumb. But here's here's what I really love because Scorpia in the original She-Ra cartoon was very dumb. Mm-hmm. But the thing about the She-Ra cartoon, and this was true of He-Man as well. This was actually true of most '80s cartoons of that nature. The villains are usually really inept, mm-hmm. and so in the old She-Ra cartoon, she was dumb and also really bad at everything. Mm-hmm. In the new one, yes, she's dumb. But she can also kick some serious butt. Oh, like, yeah. There She's is a, a really skilled fighter. There's an episode in the second season where she actually, on her own, basically beats both Glimmer and She-Ra mm-hmm. in a straight-up fight. Now, ultimately, more people show up and Scorpia can't, overpowered can't take numbers, on that yeah. many of them. But, like, on her own, she takes on the leader of the Rebellion and their biggest gun mm-hmm. and can take them. And I love that. I love reminding us, like, okay, look, she is not the brightest, but she is also above, you know, the basic foot soldiers for a reason. She is good at this. And, but she is so sweet. And her crush on Katra is so adorable. Oh, and she gets the big eyes sometimes. She gets the big anime eyes sometimes, which often can bother the me. The Bambi eyes. But I do, I, I, it is kind of sweet here. And it, I just, I just love her to absolute death. I got a, I, I commissioned a, an art piece of her when we went to Terrificon. We found a cosplayer who was doing her princess prom outfit, which I want to, I want to build that cosplay. Like, I, I there's lots of cosplay I want to do. There isn't a ton that I'm like, oh, I'll build stuff because I'm not a crafty person, but I want to make a Scorpio cosplay and I am starting to work towards figuring out what I need in order to do that because, yes, dang it. Mm-hmm. Oh, I just love her so much. I also like how she's decided to not like Adora because of Katra's feelings. Katra's like, you know, obsession with Adora. Yeah. And so that that's pretty humorous at times. Well, um, I mean, so part of it is transference. She doesn't like her because Katra doesn't like her. But she also, as by the third season, you get the sense she doesn't like Adora because she sees that Adora being around brings out the worst in Katra mm-hmm. also. So she has an extra incentive to be like, will you just go away? Mm-hmm. Um, she's just great. She's sweet. Um, should we move on to some of... Well, let's stick on the antagonist end. Okay, so... Um, do you want to talk Shadow Weaver for a little bit? Yep. So Shadow Weaver is the main villain, I'd say, of the first season. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, um, Hordak exists, but he doesn't really do a lot in season one. Mm-hmm. She kind of... I don't remember all the details, but she basically does not do what she's supposed to, according to the big bad Hordak. So she's disgraced in power and, like, basically imprisoned for a big chunk of season two. Yeah. And then third season, she ends up helping Adora and um, Glimmer and Bo. 
But the the whole thing with her is is it is super obvious she has her own agenda and whatever Always. it is, it is not good for anybody. But at various points, both sides are like, whatever you're trying to do, it helps our cause. You're so, powerful. You so have knowledge. Fine. Yeah, there's a lot of backstory with her. Um, wonderfully voiced. Very yes. I I forget the actress's name, but she was. It, because most V on um, second season of Orange, Orange is, is the New Black, aka yeah. the only good season of Orange is the New Black. Um, I'm not gonna deny it, really. <laughs> <laughs> but the th most of the voice actors are not anyone that she was the only voice I recognized because a lot of the characters. We know one other voice, but we haven't gotten to that character okay. yet. The but well, a lot of the characters are young. They're like meant to be late teens maybe i'm not sure anybody's age is explicitly stated mm -hmm. but they're that range and so most of the voice actors are done by young actors who aren't particularly well known mm -hmm. um but yeah shadow weaver it, shadow weaver is a kind of villainous character that i like in general a lot which is what i call the wild card villain mm. somebody who is definitely up to no good but who isn't really specifically on either side of the prod, uh, either side of the, um, the conflict. Mm -hmm. They're just a problem for everybody. Yeah. It, it's the kind of thing that the Joker is often used as in a lot of Batman stories mm -hmm. is this kind of wild card. Oh God, <laughs> how are they going to screw everything up kind mm -hmm. of character? And I, I just like that as an archetype. Uh-huh. And I like that. She definitely plays into the Catra Adora um, dynamic in that Catra feels like, I mean, she basically helped raise both of them, and Catra feels like she puts Adora as the chosen child and the favorite child and hates that. Cat, well, Catra feels that pretty accurately, honestly. That's true. From what we, now, she's cashed it in for more than it's worth, but. That didn't. That's not a. That's not paranoia on Catch's part. It's Shadow true. Shadow Weaver basically mothered Adora and drill sergeanted Catra. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Um, oh, speaking of voices, I do know, but you don't know. Okay. I do know, and I forgot to mention this when we were talking about him. Um, I know Bo from Blackish. Yes. He plays Junior on that. I don't remember the actor's name because I'm really bad with all actors' names. Um, but, yeah, he... I mean, I love him on that show. I love that <laughs> show in general. So I'm like, he... And it's, it, he is kind of a sweet, dorky kid on that as well. So it works really well for, for so um, She-Ra. I think we'll round out the villains because I think the major recurring characters are still in the villain, then most of the heroic characters we have to talk about are more occasional guests. Okay. So we can... Let's talk about Entrapta a bit. Yes. So Entrapta actually took a little while to grow on me, partly because in season one I found her voice really annoying. Mm -hmm. I don't know if they actually got her to tone it down a bit in the second season or if it just didn't bother me by the second you season. You just had gotten used to it. Yeah. yeah, I'm not sure which is the case, but that didn't bother me anymore by season two. And I really enjoy her. So Entrapta starts out with the Rebellion. When they do a raid on the Fright Zone, which is where the Horde is set up, she gets left behind. They presume that she's dead, but she ends up basically just joining the Horde, not because of any 
ideological linking. It's because she just wants to learn and build things and do science. Mm -hmm. And they will let her do that because the things... Unfettered, yeah. Yeah, because the things she wants to do will assist the Horde. And she doesn't really care that it assists the Horde. She just wants to do it. Because science! Yes! <laughs> because it's so much data! <laughs> and she works better, I think, and has grown more as a character with the Horde. So yeah! So I actually think that was a really good change for her. And obviously leads to some conflict. Yeah. Well, I mean, we say change. I'm pretty sure that was the plan from the get-go because in the original comic... I'm sorry, in the original show, she was just a villain straight up always. Ah. So I, it was probably always... It, the twist was actually having her start as a good guy. Mm -hmm. um, but I really like that her entire thing, she has absolutely no malice mm -hmm. against the Rebellion. Not even for the fact that they left her behind. Mm -hmm. That's just... It's, and she's not mad. She just, it's not even that she doesn't care. It just doesn't, it's like, oh yeah, that's a thing that happened, but I'm doing this now. It's fine. Yeah. It's like, I'm building these robots that are going to be used to destroy you. Not because I hate you, because like, it's really cool to build these robots. Look what I'm doing now. It's so much fun. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, she's grown on me a lot and I actually really enjoy I her love her hair point. too and all, because she's got these like purple ponytails that like lift her up and grab things and do all this she, cool stuff. Yeah, she has full total mental control over her hair. It's great. It's ridiculous. Um, and she actually developed one of the more interesting relationships in season three. Yes. With Another Hordak. antagonist. So Hordak, first of all, way better here than in the original because in the original, a bit like Skeletor, he was the villain who never won and was kind of inept and threw hissy fits every time he lost. Which sometimes he does still. Yes, but fits. like he's competent in this one. He's got a good backstory. He does. And what I really like about this is that he, he his goal is not actually to conquer Etheria. Mm -hmm. His goals are to build a portal that will allow him to get back to where he came from. Mm-hmm. But Conquering Etheria will better enable him to do that, which is part of why I think he and Entrapta end up hooking up because their goal not actually hooking not up, no not way. literally but end up being paired up as as a as characters mm -hmm. because while he is certainly more obsessive and more emotional than she is she's very she's very um, like she logical gets, she gets excited but she's very oh look let's just do the proper procedure it'll be fine mm -hmm. whereas when something goes wrong for him he gets very upset about that he has a little tantrum but fundamentally they have a similar like look i have this goal and i don't care about the damage that it causes if i do it mm -hmm. and so it makes a lot of sense and i absolutely love the way that entrapta actually gives a label to their relationship which i love because otherwise it would have been this question like well are they a couple are they friends what are they entrapta calls them lab partners I know. You get Which I so love. excited. I love that. I lo that. It's the perfect term for what they have because, like, they're not really connecting emotionally or, like, even... As much as either of them can. Yeah, I, feel like. I suppose. But the way that, that either of these people are going to connect with everybody is through a working relationship. A shared goal. Yeah. yeah. So lab partners... And, like, and when she says that, she says it with this kind of longing because like it's an episode that's a bit weird and like everything's coming unraveled and reality's falling apart mm -hmm. um but she's like 
I had a lab partner. And like there's this longing in her voice like, oh. I know. It's so sweet. Um, yes. So, but yeah, Hordak is interesting because he's also, he is clearly dangerous and powerful, but he's also vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Um, both like in terms of his personality, he but really but also physically. As a villain on me in third season. They, he became quite a dynamic villain in season three. And he was effective prior to that, but the more, the more we learn about him, and oftentimes with a with like the big overarching villain, trying to humanize them is risky, because you can often end up with them either being tooth, toothless or you're just setting it up to ultimately become a oh they're just misunderstood, and neither of those is the case. Mm-hmm. It just made him more interesting, which is good because that's a hard needle to thread. Mm-hmm. Um, As for the other characters, I'm gonna go briefly cover a couple of them yep. that are not really that interesting to me. Like, I like Perfuma and Frosta okay. Yeah, they're all right. Um, again, we only see them about once per season. Like, the first season we see them, like, maybe two, two or, or three, three times. times. Yeah. Um, and But it's all about Mermista. I think for both of us in the ones that are reoccurring, we see once a season because, oh my gosh, her attitude is just great. So if you watch uh, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, Mermista is voiced by the same character who plays Heather mm-hmm. on that. And she is so good at this detached voice. Like in the very first episode. in this very belief. Yeah, like, in the very uh, first episode that... They, that she's introduced. They like, they stop the horde from what they're doing and like everyone's like, woo! And she goes, hooray, but I'm over it now. <laughs> I know. And when she groans, she's like, Ugh. <laughs> It's the greatest. Like, I do that sometimes. I have adopted the Mermista groan. It's a groan worth it. Like, she's just over all of, like she, she still knows, okay, this has to be done, or you guys really need my help. Like, she'll still do it, but she's like, she's just so done with everybody's BS. Yep. And I love how she's especially done with Seahawk, who, in terms <laughs> of energy and attitude, if she is, like, negative, done with it attitude, he is ready to go all the time. And just them in any scene together is such fun because well, he clearly has a crush on her. He has such a crush on her and she finds him so annoying. Obnoxious, yeah. Oh my God, and I love it. I love her in um, the second season with um, the role-playing like <laughs> when they're figuring stuff out because see, she, ah, now I can't, it's a tongue twister. Yep. She wants to be Sira. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, With the really long, flowing hair. <laughs> which I, I like that that gets continuously pointed out that Shira has amazing hair. Yes. When she puts, you know, when, when she gets When she does the, the full sword. transformation. Because yes. Adora does actually physically transform. She gets taller and... Her and, hair and gets the longer. The hair. Oh, the hair. Um... But, Shira with the good hair. Yes. <laughs> um, but also with Seahawk, like, he, he is very much a... You know, a spoof and a ribbing of that kind of too eager sort of guy. Because, like, his whole thing is practically, ha-ha, adventure! <laughs> Which you love to do. Which I do. I, I like, to, I like we're, like, going somewhere, I'm like, adventure! It's just fun. It's I fun enjoy. to be Seahawk. It's fun to be that, I think I that should, energetic. I should start groaning as Mermista whenever you do that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess. <laughs> 
Um, but the all of these characters are so. Oh, and I'll touch on this really briefly. I think the only characters that are original uh-huh. are some of the horde members who were like Kyle, adored for, <laughs> like Kyle, like Kyle. And I forgot. Oh God, I keep forgetting the other one's name. Um, the one who's yeah. act, who, the one who's actually coming, but yeah, poor Kyle. We know Kyle because he is always blamed for everything. Yeah, every time something goes wrong for this little, they're ho- like, this oh, little, blame it on Kyle. This little horde click, Kyle. Oh, <laughs> uh, poor Kyle. Uh-huh. Um, but like the, those minor characters, I think are the only ones original to the show. Um, maybe? Or I'm guessing Bo's dad. Well, I mean, Bo, yeah, Bo's dad, they're new. Just a little aside, like, oh, they're just the cutest. They are really cute. Oh, and just, they're just so sweet, and how they accept him in that episode where he's scared to tell him what he's actually been doing for the yeah. past couple years. It's actually, I, I'm glad you brought that up, because one of the things I really loved about that mm-hmm. is it was structurally very much a coming yeah, out scene but it was an absolute flip on the head from that mm-hmm. because what it was is a young man who's who has two dads who mm-hmm. are librarians and they always expected him to come up in academia and they despise the conflict that's going on and he is a soldier mm-hmm. who has taken up a side and is proud of being a soldier and for fighting and mm-hmm. was always afraid to tell them that that was what he was doing with his life so him telling them that is absolutely a coming out scene, but I really love the inversion of that, partially because as much as coming out is usually framed as something that LGBTQ plus people have to do, and we absolutely do, mm-hmm. it is it can be a much more universal experience than it tends to be presented as, because mm-hmm. most of us at some point in our life have to tell people that we care about Something about ourselves that we're not sure they're going to take well. That they're going to accept. Yeah, yeah, whether it is... About us. Yeah, whether it is something about your own sexuality or gender identity, whether it is about the path you think your life should be taking, whatever it is, at some point, somebody has to do that. So I really like them framing that through something that isn't a an LGBTQ coming out because it helps mm. universalize the experience and, you know, humanize something that, yes, basically every LGBTQ person has to go through, but also, hey, straight cis people, you kind of have to go through your own version of this too. So maybe you can relate and connect. Yes. That would be lovely. <laughs> uh, I, I just, yeah, it's a great episode. Their dynamic is so sweet and the way... You know, once they figure out what's going on with Bo, they're, you know, and they're they're having this moment. And then, like, Adora and Glimmer just kind of standing there. And they're like, you're part of the family, too. And you can just see, like, Glimmer and Adora being like, yeah! Yay, we get the group hug! You know? So, because you can, it's, I, I feel like it would be impossible not to love Bo's dads. Bo's dads are really great. I mean, the show is, like, the... I literally have nothing to complain about with this show so far. I like I have, pretty much all the characters. Yeah. It's fun. It's got lots of places it can go. I I like that it comes out in short segments, though I want it all the time. But yeah, yeah, I mean, it's it's only been going on two years, but it's had three seasons because we've kind of gotten new seasons like every six months or so. Mm-hmm. But sub, after the first season, they've only been, you know, Six episodes, six or seven episodes long, but we are getting them more frequently. So it's a trade-off. Mm-hmm. 
But but I pretty much want She-Ra all the time. Yes. I Oh, I, I'm adoring the show so much. Oh, and I'll just mention, because it... At this point, it'll be slightly old news by the time this goes to air, but just to acknowledge it and cover it real quick, yes, Netflix is also going to be doing a He-Man series. No, they are not going to cross over because the new He-Man series is being done by a completely different creative team in a different animation style and is being billed as a continuation of the original show rather than a reboot. So, And I think in the world they've created in this current She-Ra, there is no He-Man. I, here's what there I would could say. Be. There could be there, and they've hinted at the things that do. So, like Adora is from wa- another world. was effectively kidnapped from another world, which is also her storyline in the cartoon because she's He Man's sister, sister who was kidnapped by the Horde. So, mm-hmm. like the the fact that she was kidnapped and comes from another world is still there. I would be shocked if that ever gets explicitly named crossover. as as Eternia or if like I really don't think that's ever going to happen. Mm. But it's I just this show is so good. Like I I, know. you know me, I can nitpick almost everything. I you really don't with Shira. Like no. you're just like you my Did own... you watch the the new ones all and season three all in one night yeah both season two and season three i burned through the entire season in a single sitting that's impressive yeah you can easily go through two or three episodes if you're not nathaniel in like one sitting or i mean there's some people probably burn through it in one night honestly if you wanted to dedicate a weekend to it you could burn through the entire show in a weekend yeah definitely but that's so that's us sort of taking a month off from having to schedule a book that we trade back and forth and reading and figuring out and just blabbing about a very female centric show mm-hmm. with great male characters too, but very female centric show that we love that people mm-hmm. should be watching if you're not. Mm-hmm. Things will get back to normal next month. As I mentioned, we're not doing feedback this episode, but next month mm-hmm. we are going to be covering the graphic novel adaptation of Coraline. Mm-hmm. So this will be the first time we've done an adaptation. Mm-hmm. And you've been asking me about doing this one for a while. Yep, because I've used it in graphic novel groups and for various things. Um, it will probably get used this trimester as well and read by several of my students. So. Yeah. And next next month is also October, so it's spooky. So it fits. and that's spooky. And that's what we'll be doing next month. So... Thanks for indulging us, folks, as we just gush about this thing. And uh, we'll see you in a month. Yep. Bye. Bye. Tough Like a Girl is a Council of Geeks production and a presentation of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Feedback can be left at fireandwaterpodcast.com or on the Facebook page for Fire and Water Podcast and Council of Geeks. Our logo art was created by Nick Buxom, and our theme music is composed and performed by Erica Dreisbach, whose other works can be found at ericaricardo.com. Bye.